First letter of Peter. His name was Shimon, or Simon, when he first became a follower of Jesus, and he was part of the inner circle of the twelve disciples. When he made his confession that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus changed his name to Kephas, which is Aramaic for rock, which was later translated into Greek as Petros or Peter. Jesus promised that he would become a leader among the apostles to guide the Messianic community in Jerusalem through its earliest years, and that's what happened. Remember the early chapters of the book of Acts. Eventually, Peter was called to carry the good news of Jesus beyond the borders of Israel, however, and this letter was written decades into that mission in the wider Roman world. We discover at the conclusion of this letter that Peter is in Rome, which he calls Babylon, and we learned that while Peter commissioned the letter, it was actually composed by a man named Silvanus, who was a co-worker of Peter. This was a circular letter sent to multiple church communities in the Roman province of Asia Minor, which is in modern-day Turkey. And Peter learned that these mostly non-Jewish Christians were persecuted. They were facing hostility and harassment from their Greek and Roman neighbors. And so Peter wrote to encourage them in the midst of their suffering. And this helps explain the letter's design and its main themes. It opens with a greeting, and then it moves into a poetic song of praise to God, which introduces the key themes that are explored in the main body of the letter, where he first affirms the new family identity of these persecuted Christians, which will help them see their suffering as a way to bear witness to Jesus. And this has a way of focusing their future hopes on the return of Jesus. It's on the idea of living a life that's worth it. That, that's kind of what we're looking at, living a life that's worth it. In fact, you've heard people in your life probably say, this just doesn't feel like it's worth it, right? For something, something that they're doing, something they're spending money on, time they're spending for something, maybe something that's assigned at work, and they say, their response is, this just doesn't feel like it's worth it. Well, sometimes it can feel like life in general is that way. In fact, sometimes even among believers in Christ, we lose sight of the kind of the focus on what God has to offer, and we might stumble into this idea of, man, is it even all worth it? So that's our focus, living life that's worth it. If that's appealing to you to say, how do I live a life that's worth it? Well, that's the focus of this little book, this little letter that Peter writes. Now, he's going to talk about suffering and hardship and overcoming and enduring and keeping going. Those things that like we love in our movies, right? We love that in our movies. Keep going. You can do it. But in real life, it's tough, right? And sometimes we even give up. This, this little book, this little letter is going to be about that. But this week we're going to find first, Peter is going to set a foundation to say, this is why I'm going to tell you the rest of what I'm going to tell you in this letter. And this has to do with reminding you who you are in Jesus and what he has offered you. Now, it could be this morning that you would not yet identify as being a Christian, whether you're here or online watching. Um, and this morning, I want you to be able to hear the invitation and the declaration that Peter is making about what it means to be a Christian, though he doesn't use that word Christian. But for many of you, and most of you, you probably have made a declaration of faith. At some point in time, you became a Christian, and you would identify that way. Well, you're going to be reminded this morning of what that entails. And you might right now be like, oh, okay, heard that, right? 
Don't be so quick to dismiss what God wants to speak to you about when he reminds you, especially about your identity of who you are in him. So let's just jump into it. It's four verses that we're going to look at this week. There's a much bigger chapter. I encourage you, get in 1 Peter chapter 1 on your own this week and work through that. I'm going to pick up in chapter 2 next week as we continue on and we get into some of this hardship that the people are enduring that Peter is writing to. Let's start in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. So if you get there in your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And I want to read these four verses and then just kind of overview them and see what's going on. Let's read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The word of God for the people of God. So let's just jump into this and understand what Peter is saying here. Listen, there's different folks here this morning. You're in different places in your spiritual journey. Again, some of you, you may not have a declaration of faith. You would say, I don't really identify as Christian. Somebody invited me. I'm here this morning. Wonderful. We're glad you're here. Listen to what Peter says about salvation. Some of you are believers and you've made a commitment to follow Christ. You call yourself a Christian. Be reminded of what it is that we have given ourselves over to, and what is the reward that awaits? But for others of you, you may be in either one of those camps, but you're enduring and facing difficulty right now. You're looking for deliverance from whatever situation you're in right now. And I want to make sure you really hear what Peter's talking about and where deliverance starts from. So let's just look at these verses fast. We're going to look at all four of them. And I've, I've actually bolded some words in here to kind of accentuate what these verses are about or what might be important for us to look at. Here's the first one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is how Peter is jumping into it for. And the word is blessed that he uses. Blessed. But notice the direction of the word blessed here. He's saying blessed be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know this word blessed. If you've read the Bible at all, you know it pops up different places. Some of you know like one of the most famous times is in what we call the Beatitudes. Do you remember that? And it says, blessed are, and it goes on with this list, right? Some of your translation has kind of contemporized it, and it used the words happy is. And it's an okay word to say happy and blessed there, because what that word blessed, hesed, means there, it means something you receive, something that's given to you. You experience yourself. You are blessed because of it. You know, yesterday we lost a tree. No, Friday we lost a tree in the hurricane. You know, and we had a lot of work. And I might have a different version of how Pastor Reese shared the cleanup uh, on Saturday morning. We might have been out there an hour before he strolled out of bed and got out there. We, I, I just, it, it's just a different version, all right, of the story. But we looked at the way this tree snapped off about 20 feet up and fell away from our house, two feet short of the power lines, right? And it went over the driveway, but only the bushy part of the tree fell over the driveway, and the force of the fall cracked almost all those little branches. 
So most of it, we were able to pick up and move and make little cuts. Guess what we say? What a blessing. What a blessing. You know, we said the provision of God. In fact, a lady stopped driving by, and she says, are you guys okay? You know, and they were, I mean, just a sweet, like, 70-year-old lady. And, and, um, and I said, yeah, we're, we're good. And I said, it was God's provision. She said, I am so glad. She actually said, I'm so glad you said God provision. I mean, she actually reached out of her car and took my arm, like, right here and said, I'm so glad that you said God blessed. We were blessed, right? And that's how we think about this. That's not the word we just read in 1 Peter. The word eulogos is actually the word blessed. It's a compound word. It's two words that are put together. It's a different word than is used in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes. It means this, good word. That's what it means, good word. Eulogos, good word, put together. And the reason it's blessed here is that you are declaring something. You're not receiving, you're declaring something. So here, what Peter is doing is he is declaring, blessed be to God. Good word is God. Good word is God and the Father of our Lord Jesus. He is a good word. He's declaring that out to him. And so the way he starts out wanting to talk about what he has received from God and the reward that comes from it is by declaring, God, you are good. Listen, a life worth it starts with declaring God's word is good. And you might be like, that's just Christianese, right? I know that. I think that all the time. That doesn't get me excited. Listen, stop and think of what it means. When you are saying God's word is good, it's good. It's full of wisdom. It's better than my ways. It's better than, than my word that I, I just use for myself. In fact, my way often ends up in what we call sin, selfishness, you know, going a, away from God's ways. My way often leads me in a place where I have to turn and go, Lord, forgive me. I was stupid here, all right? But his way, his word is wise. His word is better than my word. A life that's worth it starts with that declaration. It starts with, look, in fact, if you want to walk this thing called Christianity and you want to walk it without starting with declaring that God's word is better, you're not really walking Christianity. Or at very least, you're not going to see it play out like the words of the New Testament or the pages of the New Testament. Now, the word, the word, word there, uh, we see the word logos. It's actually connected all the way in from Greek, all the way into the Hebrew, with this word about wind. It's this word panuma, right? And it means wind or breath or like when you speak and this is what comes out, this air. And so we get this when God spoke at creation. When he spoke this, it happened. His word spoke. And then what happens? John, in the Gospel of John, we studied this early in the year, takes this little word and he applies it to Jesus. This logos, this breath, this word, that is what Jesus is on this earth. That's what Jesus came to be, to be the voice, the word, and the breath of God. And so we have to start this life uh, that's worth it by declaring that God's word is good. It's good. It's better than my word. It can be trusted. I have to look to it first. Let's look at that second verse there says, 
by his, according to his great mercies, he's caused us to be born again. Good Christian word, right? Uh, in fact, you probably don't use the word born again anywhere else than when you're kind of talking about church stuff, right? Or talking about Jesus. Yeah. Born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Anna Gio, uh, Gineo is the word. He, and it literally means this, has given us a new birth, a new birth. But First Peter chooses to use it a certain way there because being born in the New Testament is being born of the mother. But the word begat, do you remember that word begat? Anybody got a, a King James Bible you're flipping through right now and you can see if you get in your genealogy and this person begat, that person begat, that person. A begat was through the father. And so notice how Peter is using this, not just you're born again, but he's wanting to make sure you understand you are begat of the father I declared. I talked about in, in the first verse there. That is who you were born in. You're born through God. How does this happen? It happens through Jesus Christ, that you can actually be born again in God through Jesus Christ. You ever needed to make a change in your life? You're like, I got to get out of this job, all right? Got to get a new job. Right? Not, we made eye contact, Pastor Ernst. I just want to make sure we, we weren't talking about each other. We're, okay, I just want to make sure. We're, there was, yeah, I got to get out of this job. I got to get out of this house. We need to move across town. I mean, the west side of town, that's, that's where I'm going to find my happiness, right? Or I got to go to a new grocery store. What, what, I mean, we always have this, if I could just change this thing in my life, it would be different. But we're almost always changing external things, right, or material things. Or, or maybe we're getting rid of somebody in our life that may be a, a trouble or a problem in our life. That's not what he's talking about here. He's saying, look, I will begat you, born again. I want to change you. I want to meet you. I want to connect with you. I want to transform you and make you into something that is way more than you could be on your own or than you've been trying to be with your own wisdom, because first you've said, his way is good, God's word is good, and now I'm saying, now transform me, make me into it. It's almost like me saying, I'll, I'll be the clay, and you just kind of go and mold and make me into what you need to make me. That takes a lot of trust in God, a lot of surrendering to God, and a lot of understanding that a life worth it has to reset in Jesus. It has to. It's got to reset in Jesus. You can have the greatest camp experience you ever have, whether you're a teen or you go to men's retreat or women's retreat. You can have the greatest experience ever. You can make an incredible commitment. You can come home and you can say, I'm going to pay, I'm putting this on my Facebook. And people are going to go, wow, it sounds like you had a wonderful time, right? But if you don't allow your life to reset in Jesus, we're not getting what he's talking about here. I will make you new, reborn. Now, what we think about often if you're a Christian this morning is that one time I said that one prayer, right? I remember for me, it was back in high, I can't, I can't claim the day. We use the term sometimes spiritual birthday. You ever use that? You know, like I say, came to know Jesus. I can't remember the, the, the day, but I kind of remember the time frame. Some of you remember the exact day, the moment you got it marked on, right? I'm not just talking about that day. I'm talking about every time you look and say, God, you got to transform this in me. You make me new. We reset ourselves in Jesus. You can reset some of your actions. I hope you do at times, right? If you're like, man, I can't believe that's coming out of my mouth. I got to reset that. Yeah, do it. Reset that. That's junk. But we need to reset ourselves in Jesus. That's what being born again is all about. If you've never done that, 
if you're not a Christian, you, you don't understand. And you've just heard people throw around or you've let the TV shows that kind of mock the phrase born again and you don't really know what it is. That's what it is. This resetting of who you are in Christ and he designs and develops you into what you can be, what he's designed you to be, more than you can just do on your own. Life that's worth it starts with reset in Jesus. Look what else it says, though. To an inheritance, there's something coming. You're going to get something that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Now, the way it's broke down, and we don't have time to kind of go through uh, the grammar of it, is what we're looking at is the word imperishable, and then undefiled and unfading is kind of describing the word uh, imperishable. So we'll camp on the word imperishable, what he's talking about there. Amarantos is the word I put in your notes. It means this, doesn't fade away, it's real. It's real. Like it doesn't actually fade away. Have you ever got halfway through a sales pitch with somebody for whatever, and you're like halfway through, you're like, I don't know if this is real. I don't, I don't know if this is accurate. I don't know if they can deliver what they're actually saying. You're just trying to figure out how do I now get out of this sales pitch. Now, we had no problem sitting through 90 minutes of a timeshare presentation because they always gave me free golf at the end. So you can tell me all you want for 90 minutes as long as you give me that free golf, right? But maybe you've gotten one of those and you're just like, man, th there's no way they're delivering. This cannot be real, right? Well, this word actually, you're onto something because this word actually is kind of tied to that thought of maybe we use for a mirage. You remember? Like even back with we were little kids watching cartoons there would be some image of somebody crawling across the desert, and they see, you know, the palm trees and the water and everything. But by the time they get there, you know, it's gone. It's not there anymore. It's just a mirage, right? And that's the understanding of this word. It seems so real. It's there, but it's not. And what Peter is saying is that there is a reward for you that is real. It's not a mirage. It's not going to disappear. It's there. Just about everything you, you and I strive for on this earth, it's perishable. It's going to go away. If you're one that loves to keep up with, you know, like the latest fashion or trends or those type of things, clearly that's not me. Um, but if you try to do that, right, you know it's exhausting to keep up with it all the time, all right? Even if you're good at it, you're always working on trying to keep up because those things change all the time. And Peter is letting you know, hey, look, here's something that will not fade away. It won't go away. And he's actually talking about, look here, a reward, an inheritance, something you're going to receive in heaven. Now, he's going to go on the rest of the book to talk about suffering and hardships. And he's basically going to say, uh, you know, in a, in a very real way, he's going to say, look, buck it up. Get through this. You got Christ with you. You're not alone. Endure. Get past it. You got a great reward. And that's what he's setting up here, an inheritance that's waiting for you, kept in heaven for you. Like, do you understand? Do you get this, this idea that this life here is a blip on the radar screen compared to eternity that God invites us into to be with him forever? That's what we get. That's this inheritance that's offered to us when we allow ourselves to be born again, reset in Jesus to walk in a life that says, God, your way is good. This is the reward. Listen, when I push on you, and we're pushing on you weekly to share your testimony, 
or to invite somebody. Look, and I, I get it. I see it. Sometimes I literally see it. You know, the eye roll of, here we go again. Another testimony story. Here we go. You know why? Because what we just talked about, a mirage, that's your friends. That's your family who do not have an inheritance, who have not been born again, who don't look to say, God, your way is good, and therefore here is the inheritance that's offered to you. That's your friends and that's your family. That's coworkers. And God says, I want to use you to share that message with them. You don't have to be a jerk about it ever. Just go share the hope with them. And that's why we keep pushing and probably will keep pushing to be active in that. A life that's worth it ends with reward. There's reward for you. There's a reward in the end. It's an eternal reward. Listen, here's what I never want you to hear. I never want you to just hear, look, life stinks. It's horrible. You'll never overcome the, the events of this life. But if you just hang on, you'll get heaven one day. Because that's not the message of the New Testament. The message of the New Testament is Christ goes with you, gives you life now to walk and to analyze things totally different and you're not alone. But that doesn't mean there is not a heaven and a reward waiting for you someday. And it's not offered to everyone. It is offered to those who declare, God, your way is good and who reset their life in Jesus Christ. That is what Peter's saying in just these simple couple verses. Then finally, he says this, who by God's power have been guarded. He's protecting you. He's watching out over you, right? Right? You're being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, that last time is an interesting little phrase because if I lined up five translations, they might translate that a little bit different, right? But the gist is basically this, at a later time, at a later time. But the word salvation is an interesting one, which is why I highlighted it. Salvation, soteria, simply means this, deliverance, to be delivered. So when I say there's salvation, it means you get delivered, right? You like that. I mean, we like Amazon deliveries, don't we? Right? But this is a different kind of deliverance, right? Delivery. Rich Mullins, just before he passed away, wrote a song that he was not able to record, just in practice sessions, these raw sessions. But Rick Elias later took it and recorded it. It's one of my favorite Christian songs of all time. It's called My Deliver. And he says, my deliver is coming. My deliver is coming. My deliverer, and this is the line, is standing by. My deliverer is standing by. Like God is saying, look, I'm here for you. I know you want it at this moment, right? We always do, you know. My deliverer is standing by. He's coming. That is what this word salvation means. There is a deliverer, a deliverance. I used to watch the old uh, Braves baseball uh, cat, uh, uh, um, video, what am I trying to say? TV broadcast, right? So, um, and uh, I wanted to say streaming, but I knew 20 years ago that was not correct. Oh. But I used to watch, and one of the announcers used to say, like a runner would get on second base, and then there was a base hit. I'm just going to talk to Kathy because she's my baseball friend. And a runner would get, you know, the batter would get a base hit, and he would say, you know, they, the runner would come around and score, and they'd say, that runner was delivered from second, right? And that's, I mean, that's the kind of idea. They're delivered from their situation, right? And in this situation, around a score, that's their reward, right? So that is what this word means, to be delivered. Listen, can I ask you? You got something in your life right now? You're like, man, I wish I could be delivered from this. I'd like to be delivered 
from this. Here's what we almost always mean when we think of the word deliver. God, come down, scoop me up, take me out of this that I may never have to deal with this again. You know, just wipe it from my memory even, you know, like the uh, men in black. Look right here. Remember that? Wipe it away and it's gone. But more often than not, that's not the way deliverance works we see in the New Testament. It's this, Jesus will come down and he will now walk with us through whatever we're dealing with, whatever we're walking through, and he will be our guide and our help, and he will do it to help us live this out and overcome in a way that we probably would not on our own. And you know what? Sometimes we don't like that way. I like the scoop way. I don't like this way. So what do I end up doing? I reject that way. I don't want that way. I want the other way. So I'll just sulk and I'll deal with it myself. Walk through my hardships and keep posting negative things on Facebook, right? And God's over here saying, you know, hey, I got a way. Deliver. That's what he wants to do. It may not be today. It may be at a later time. But I will be your deliverer. Be your deliverer. Now, you got to remember contextually, he's talking to people who are literally being persecuted because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Right? You're not always being persecuted for that. Your hardship is not always about that. Right? But I think nonetheless, when we're walking through hardship and we're looking for deliverance, God more often than not says, let me walk with you through it and now guide you. I was reading a book this last week, and it was talking about there's seven components to telling a story, to telling a really good story. And the author said, look, I'm going to ruin movies for you because now when you watch movies, you'll think of these things. And I won't walk through all seven. That would be boring for you, all right? Um, But let me walk through six of them. No, I'm joking. Um, But one of them was simply this, is a guide eventually comes along. For the main character, a guide comes along. In some way, shape, or form, there's a guide. Could be like a buddy or a friend that goes through it with him. Or it could be an actual like Mr. Miyagi coming in and being a guide and teaching that to him. But eventually a guide comes along and will help the main character actually overcome and to solve whatever problem is in the story. Every good story works this way. In fact, sometimes when that doesn't happen, that's the reason you walk away from stories. You're like, I don't get this. And you turn it off, right? That is how often God wants to work. He wants to come right in and say, let me be my deliverer right along with you. Let me walk through this. Let me be your wisdom. Let me be your strength. Let me quiet your voice when you just want to whine and complain. Let me walk through this with you because I want to be your deliverer. And you will overcome. You will come through this at another day. Life that's worth it transforms into eternal life. Now, the reason I say it that way is because when we think of eternal life, we often think about what we just talked about. Heaven awaits. It's a reward one day. Just endure. Make it. You'll get a reward. Problem is, that's not the concept in the New Testament of eternal life. The New Testament eternal life is this. When you allow yourself to be born again, you get Jesus and you get the Holy Spirit really right then and there. To walk now with you through every step, everything you go through, you get the Holy Spirit, Jesus, to walk with you. To help be your deliverer in every situation, to walk with you. And guess what they refer to that? Jesus is the one that refers to it. He calls that eternal life. It begins right now. And when you actually physically die, it'll continue right past that. Because you have an inheritance waiting for you. 
I want to recap this for you, and I want to do it in one sentence. So if you flip the back of your page in your notes, life worth it in one sentence. And I want you to repeat this with me. Here, here's a go. You repeat this. God is better. Yeah, God's ways are better. That's the first thing you declare. Listen, if you don't identify as a Christian yet, if you've never had that, the first way this morning, if you said, I'm ready to become a Christian, is you declare, God, your way's better. Forgive me of my ways. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me when I rejected you outright or I just mocked you or laughed at you when somebody else shared. Your way is better. God, your word is better. God is better. Repeat this. So it's time to reset my life. This is your time to be born again. This is your time to say, I want to be made anew in Jesus Christ. Begat of the Father, if you want to use those words. I want to reset and be new. I don't want to just change my style today, you know? And I'm going to go from this style of dress to this style of dress because I think I'll be happier. I want to let God change who I am. Change me into what he designed me to be in the first place because he is good and he is better. So God is better, so it's time to reset my life because what Jesus offers is lasting. Say that. Yeah, it's not a mirage. It's not going to fade away. It's not going to promise something. Do you know that sin always promises something that it can't deliver? Always. Always promises something that it can't deliver. But Jesus says, I offer something that's lasting. It's eternal. It won't fade away. In fact, he calls it your inheritance. Your inheritance. You get this. God's better. So it's time to reset my life because what Jesus offers is lasting. And finally, repeat this, and Jesus is coming back for me. And I word it that way because sometimes that's what we say, like, Jesus, you know, where are you? Or God, where are you? I feel alone out here. And Jesus said, no, 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 I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm with you. I'll walk through this with you. I have not left you. I will be your deliverer. I might be your deliverer in a way that you don't prefer, but I will walk with you and be your deliverer. Because I offer you salvation. It may be this morning that that's what you need to say. And I know, what you, I know what most of you just thought. You're like, oh, no, I already said that prayer a while back. No, Christians, hear it too. It may be this morning that's what you need to declare to God. You need to reset yourself and declare, God, you are good. And so it's time to reset my life because what Jesus offers is lasting, and he's coming back for me. You may need to declare that. It could be that you're walking through something right now and just thinking about the idea that God wants to be your deliverer right in the midst of it, walking through as your guide, teaching you and leading you and giving you wisdom. You've never processed it that way. That could be what you need this morning. So there's a prayer I want to pray for you. It's a prayer we often call, well, some call the sinner's prayer. I like to call it more the salvation prayer. But it's a prayer that declares exactly what we've talked about. So if this morning, if you don't know Jesus and you're ready to say yes and become a follower of Jesus this morning, pray this prayer along with me. If this morning you're a Christian, you're like, it's time to reset. It's time to redeclare this and rededicate my life. I come to church and I have the label Christian, but what we're talking about this morning, that's not what I'm declaring with my life. You pray this along with me as well. 
if you're walking through something and you just need to declare, he is my deliverer, then you see that part as you need as well. Would you let me pray this along with you? You close your eyes and pray with me. You can repeat in your head any part of this you need. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I confess my sins and I ask for your forgiveness. We're saying, God, you are good. You are better. Your ways are better. So forgive me when I've rejected that. Please come into my heart as my Lord and my Savior. Take complete control of my life and help me to walk in your footsteps daily. We're saying, I got to reset my life, Lord, and I'm going to do it through you. You be the Lord, a phrase we don't use much. But you, Lord, over me. You be my deliverer. You take control of my life. You help me walk in your ways. And do it through the power of the Holy Spirit that you give me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for delivering me, and for answering this prayer. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, so this morning, um, if you've made a commitment, a first time, first time you ever said, yes, I want to be a, a Christian, I want to be a follower of Jesus, and you prayed that along with me, uh, we know in, in an instant, heartfelt prayer, you are well, a Christian, you're a child of God in what we've talked about here, and I would love to help you with next start steps on what to do, and so if you take one of your communication cards and you just let me know, just write your name, and then at the bottom it said, following Jesus, here, or at the back you can say, I made a commitment to follow Jesus. But listen, if you're already a Christian and you needed to hear that this morning, you needed to be challenged with reconnecting with your salvation. You're so hung up with your hardship, you've forgotten uh, who you are in your salvation in Christ, and you needed to hear that, and you made a recommitment. Could you let me just celebrate with you? Even if you don't want to have a conversation about it, I would love to just at least celebrate with you. Would you let me know as well? Just take a card and just say, you know, I made a recommitment of my life this morning uh, for the Lord. I'd love to hear that. And you can give it to me direct or you can drop it in the giving boxes on your way out would be fine.